You know, I really believe like the Lord has, has, you know, not that he does it on every week, but the Lord really wrestled with me on this word. He really wrestled with me. And my hope and prayer today is, is my goal is to challenge your mind and challenge your life. I want to challenge your heart today to the point, not where you think, but to the point where you promote and devote yourself to change in your heart. There's no point coming to church. You know, when we come to church, we come to church to get marching orders, to be able to do something in our lives. The Bible says that he who hears the word of God and does not apply it is like he who looks at himself in a mirror and soon thereafter when he walks away forgets what he looks like. In other words, imagine you wake up in the morning and you have your bed head, your smelly breath, you still got boogers in your eyes because you were sleeping heavy and you had a cold the night before. I want to build this out for you guys. Your hair is looking all crazy and you walk up to the mirror and then you walk away and say, yeah, I'm done. I look great. I'm going to work. I'm going to live my day. I'm just going to just go out there, just funky breath. I mean, it's just going to be fun. And the word of God is saying this, that when you come to the house of God and you hear the word of God, but do not change, you are like the person who can forget the mistakes that you look at in your mirror to fix yourself, to fix yourself. And so I want to just preemptively tell you that as I was preparing for this, the Lord kept me up last night at 1.30, 1.40 in the morning. And as I was just praying and just seeking the Lord, I want you to know that some of you might not like everything I say today. It's one of those, I'm going to challenge your heart. Amen? I heard a funny, a funny joke and I wanted to share it with you because the rest of this is going to be downhill from me. I'm just kidding. But, you know, I heard a story of a pastor and his best friend who went out hunting. And they were hunting for deer, and one was hunting maybe 100 yards this way, and the other was 100 yards this way. And a deer came, and they both saw the deer at the same time, and they both fired their weapon at the same time. And when they fired their weapons, the deer fell. And the pastor, he climbs out of his tree. The other guy's climbing out of his tree. He's running over, and the pastor's like, did you see that I got him? The other guy goes, no way, I got him. And they begin to argue about who shot the deer. And as they're arguing, there's a a ranger from the forest, like a forest ranger, one of the officers that worked there. And as he's walking up, these guys are experts in all things foresty. Amen. I made that word up. It's not in your dictionary. Praise God. They're an expert in all things foresty. And and what happened was was they're arguing. The guy goes, what's going on here? And, And the pastor goes, well, my friend here says that he shot this deer, but I say that I shot this deer. And the, for, the ranger goes, well, where were you standing at? I was standing right there. And he goes, where were you standing at? And the friend says, I was standing over there. He goes, let me take a look at the deer, and I'll come back and tell you guys. So they walk away, and the ranger is inspecting the deer. He's about 15 yards away. He looks up and says, hey, are one of you guys a pastor? And the pastor's like, is this guy a prophet? <laughs> the first church of the forest? What is this guy? And he goes, wow, wow, that must have been funny to her. And he goes, he goes, he says, as a matter of fact, I am. He was like, you shot it. I thought, how do you know? He said, it went in one ear and out the other. (laughs) You ever felt like you talked to somebody and it goes in one ear and out the other? You ever felt like that? Like yesterday. I'm trying to teach my daughter responsibility. She's about, about to be two trying to teach this kid that if you put something on the floor, you got to pick it up. And so yesterday she had made a mess. And she was playing with the wrappers from, from the, from the, from the uh, diapers. And she was playing with the boxes. And, and I said, Aria, throw that in the garbage. She looked at me. She grabs it. She walks to the kitchen and throws it in the garbage. A proud dad moment. I'm like, she's learning. It's going to be okay. Pretty soon she'll pick up her own toys. Five minutes later, she's playing with wipies, ripping up wipies, throwing them all over. I said, Arya, pick those up and throw them in the garbage. That's caca. If you're Puerto Rican, you say caca. <laughs> African-Americans say poo. Praise God. <laughs> and so what happened was she picked it up and she went and she threw it in the garbage. I was second proud that moment within an hour. Let you know how messy she is. Praise God. And then I had gotten some food for her that morning, and she grabbed the bag, and she started ripping the bag. She was ripping stuff. She had napkins all over the floor. And at this point, she was done with the napkins, and she's playing. And I said, I said, Aria, you got to stop playing and come pick up these napkins. 
And this little girl just kept on playing. Now, I know she could hear. I said, excuse me, Aria, Burgos, get your little butt over here, and I want you to clean this up. And she just looked at me, and she kept on just playing with her hands. Just... I'm like, Aria, if you don't get over here, I'm going to have to take your pacifier away. Taking your bubble. She got up, and she turned around. And kept on playing. That was the final straw. I said, little Burgos, if you don't get over here in the next 10 seconds, there's going to be something else to pay. I'm going to take all your bobos. Because she has like three at a time. One in her mouth, one in each hand. No joke. It's a true story. And, and at this point, I figured I had to use my real dad voice. I said, girl. At this point, I thought it was going to be done. I thought she was just going to get up, be respectful, and just go pick up those napkins like we had done before. And she didn't do it. She acted like she didn't hear me. Totally acted like she didn't hear me. Have you ever spoke to a friend? Maybe you're having a conversation. Maybe a husband, a wife, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, or a best friend who you had. Maybe you were hurt by them, and you shared something with them, and they acted as if you have said nothing to them. Maybe you approached your spouse about something that was really breaking your heart and, and in the midst of the conversation, talking to your husband while you're watching football. That's a mistake anyways. Honey, I'm really upset about this. And he just, what was that, honey? Doesn't it, like, not, isn't it like a really not good feeling when someone doesn't give you the attention you want when you're trying to express something to them? I don't know about you, if you're like me, I know that for me, it sometimes hurts when someone you love doesn't give you the thing you were asking them for. And I don't know about you, but sometimes it hurts when I'm praying to God and I feel like he doesn't hear me. And I feel like God is ignoring me. And I want to talk to you today about the faithfulness of God to hear your prayers. The faithfulness of God to not just hear your prayers, but answer your prayers. Are you with me today, church? And my main text is from Psalms chapter 66. And I was reading this just while I was in prayer the other day. And the Lord really began to speak to me and he began to minister to me. Because I was, I was, I know that God, I know that in John, 1 John, rather, chapter 5, verse 15, the apostle John, who loved Jesus and Jesus loved him, he said, and we have this confidence from the English Standard Version. He says, we have this, somebody say confidence. Remember last week we talked about Paul's confidence where Paul had an assurance that beyond a shadow of a doubt, he knew that God would finish the work he started. It's the same word where John says, we have a confidence. That we have this confidence before him. Talking about God. That if we ask anything according to his will, that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that these requests we have asked from him that he will do. But then there's oftentimes, if I wish I had an honest church, where John says that God hears us, but oftentimes we feel like God is not listening to us. And I want to preach to you today just for a few minutes on how to bridge the gap in between when you pray and when God answers. And the Lord began to speak to me about, about one reason. There's many reasons, many different things, but the Lord gave me this one thing as to why he doesn't answer prayers. Don't you want to know why God doesn't answer prayers? This would be a really good thing to take home tonight and be like, oh, well, this is it. This is, duh. This has been the problem all along. And we find the answer in Psalms 66, verse 17, written by an unknown psalmist. And he says, I cried to him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. 
And if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But truly, God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Truly, God has listened. Come on, let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we know that you're listening. Your word declares it. We know that you hear us. Your word promises that you're forever faithful in our lives. You're not a man that you would lie, but you're a God who loves, a God who trusts, and a God who always does what he says. And so tonight, I ask you to open the doors of our heart. Open our hearts to receive what you have to say. That we would apply it to self before putting anybody else in the place of what you were trying to say to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Church says amen. The psalmist is, is, is talking in the psalms and he's giving great, mighty praise to God. He is lifting up a great praise. And not only is he praising, he is encouraging others to praise God. He's praising God for the marvelous deeds that God has done, for the great and mighty achievements in his life that the Lord has performed. Has anybody had God do some great things in your life? And he says, you should give praise to the Lord. Shout all the earth for God is good and God is strong and mighty. And he talks about this whole psalm is based on the fact that he's won a great victory and he is happy because he attributes, rather gives credit to the victory to God. He says, if it was not for God, I would not have had this, somebody say victory. And because I have God on my side, I have this victory. And so he says in verse 17, so powerful, he says, he says, it's just like this. I cried to him with my mouth and high praise was on my tongue. The literal version means this. While I was praying, there was a praise under my tongue that was trying to get out because I was so assured and so confident that as I prayed, God would answer me that I was ready already to praise God for the prayer that had not been answered because I had had a confidence that God would answer it. Amen. He says, I was ready to praise God just when the prayer had gotten done. I hadn't even gotten my answer, but I knew my God is good. I hadn't gotten what I needed yet, but I knew that God was going to answer my prayers because he's a God that hears us. He's a God that hears every prayer that goes up before him. He says, before I even got the words out of my mouth, there was a praise trying to get out. Do you not realize that before every great move of God in Scripture, oftentimes there was a great praise that had to arise before the work was even done? That Joshua had to shout in praise before the walls came down. That Gideon and his 300 men had to shout in praise before the walls came down. That Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 20, he had to go take his whole army, but he put the praisers out first before the battle started. And he had a great victory. Why? Because he was able to praise God before the thing that God was supposed to do was even done. Because they had an assurance of the ability and the strength of their God to perform the very thing he said he would do. Like Paul and Silas in a prison cell. They were praising God before chains came off, but you want chains to come off so you can praise God. But it's supposed to be that praise breaks the chains that are holding you. Could you imagine if Joshua waited for the wall to come down to praise God? Could you imagine if, if Gideon tried to win the battle before he gave God praise? First point today for you, church, is true prayer produces praise. Now, might I add to you today that prayer is a lost art in the church. The smallest meeting in every church is the prayer meeting. You can tell how mature you are in Christ if while you go through something, the first person you reach out to is the Father or if it's one of your friends about your issues. You'd rather call 10 people to get advice than to go to the source and get the answer. Are you with me today? 
You rather go to all these other sources rather than going to God. But true prayer produces praise. But somewhere inside of us, there is a fact that we pray with doubt. We pray not knowing if God will do it. But John said if we pray anything according to his will, well, this tells me that many of us just don't know God's will. Because we say, well, I don't know what to pray for. Well, then pray for God's will. Well, I don't know if I'm going to like God's will, so we don't pray at all. God, should I go out with this girl? God's non-response is not him giving you approval. God, should I break off this relationship? God, should I go out here? Should I do this? Should I do that? Prayer, true prayer, should produce a praise in you, church, because you are so confident in the fact that God is going to fulfill the very thing that you are praying about. And the psalmist says, I was praying, and right while I was, as I was praying, there was a praise that was yelling from my mouth. Jumping off of my tongue because I knew that my God was worthy. Because I knew that I had a confidence and I had a true God who would answer my prayers. I was in right standing with God. I was doing right by God. So as I pray, I know that I should praise him because he's a God who hears me. True prayer produces praise. Some of you can go into your prayer closet and come out more confused. True prayer produces praise, not problems. True prayer brings out the best in a believer because it brings out the confidence we have in the God that we serve. But far too often, oh, I wish you were honest today, we go into our prayer closet with a thing before God, and then before we leave, we take it back up and put it back on our own shoulders, and we can't praise God because we become too accustomed to being burdened. Too accustomed to having a problem. Too accustomed. We are addicted to our problem mentality. Addicted to, to a mentality of, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. God told you through six people what to do. He's not going to say it again. And he wrote a whole book called The Bible to help you out. Are you with me today? But the psalmist says, I prayed and then I praised because I was confident. I was confident in God. Look to your neighbor and say, you got to be confident. You got to be confident. We should have a confidence in our God that praise is the end of every prayer. That praise is the period at the end of every sentence in your, in your prayers. It should go something like this, God. This is for all you single ladies. Amen. I'm praying for a husband. I want him to be X, Y, and Z. Amen. Thank you, God. I know you're going to do it. Praise God. There should be a praise in your prayer. And the psalmist is building a picture for us. He says, while I was praying, he said, while I was praying, I was already praising because he was confident. Why, why was the psalmist so confident? Listen to what he says in verse 18. He says, he says, If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. You see, we, we're sitting here saying, or standing, I am, you're sitting, praise God. And we're saying to ourselves, many of us, well, if God answers prayers, then why has he not answered mine? Why has he not answered mine? And the psalmist gives us the answer. He says, if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Here's where we get a little deeper, church. Here's point number two. Hidden sins hinder prayer. Hidden sins hinder prayers. I wrote in my notes, Lewis, you won't get a lot of amens here. He says, if I had cherished iniquity in my heart. If I had cherished. The word cherish means to protect and care for something. 
He says, if I had protected and cared for iniquity in my heart, and I know what you're saying. Most of you are saying, I don't do that. <laughs> I can just check out right now. The difference between sin and iniquity, let me tell you, a sin is when, okay, here is a sin. You're, you're driving down the road, someone cuts you off, and you drop a cuss word. And you're like, oh, God, I'm sorry. That didn't honor you, and I'm sorry. That is a sin. Are you with me, church? This is iniquity. You go home every day, and everyone in your house, you cuss them out. Here's iniquity. You don't just lust and rebuke it. You lust every day. Iniquity is the Bible's terminology for a lifestyle of sin. And this is what the psalmist says. If I had cherished it in my heart, not the exterior of my life, if I had cherished it in my heart. In other words, I am a believer and on the exterior I look good, but on the interior I am protecting and loving some very ungodly things in my life that if I don't root them out, God's not going to hear me. He, he didn't say in my life. He said in my heart. Iniquity. Iniquity. You see, there, there, is, there is the issue is, is this, is that we like to come to church one way, but in our hearts we view the world through a filter of something else. Young men, if you can't look at a woman walking down the street and not lust, you are dealing with iniquity. Maybe you don't say it in your heart, out loud in your mouth, but if you constantly have dirty thoughts, you're dealing with iniquity. If you always want to drink and get drunk, you're not dealing with the sin that is iniquity. If you're always watching pornography, that is iniquity. If you're always unfaithful, that is iniquity. If you always have a nasty attitude, that's iniquity. And he says, if I had cherished it, meaning this is, this is what cherished means. This is, this is the Christian word for cherish. This is the Christian phrase for, that can equal to cherish. God's changing me at his pace. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Sanctification is over a lifetime. I understand that. But God will break the power of sin over your life the moment you give your life to him. Why is God not hearing my prayers because I am struggling with iniquity in my heart? And I don't want nobody to tell me otherwise. In church today, can we just be honest today? Can I just be, it's nighttime, so it's, a, it's uncensored. Citywide after dark, praise God. <laughs> praise God. I'm going to edit that out of the podcast, sounds terrible. Let's be honest, let's be honest. Oftentimes, oftentimes, we know we are doing things that God would not approve of. And it's not that we don't feel conviction, we just don't care. I'm going to go somewhere that none of y'all are going to want to hear. And I really don't care. The other day, I was, I was somewhere, and this dude quoted a line from a video he quoted a line from a video, and he said, did you watch that? I'm like, no, what was that? Oh, it's the Kevin Hart special. I looked at him, and I said, what do I look like as a pastor watching Kevin Hart? Swearing? Cursing? Oh, it's quiet here, because some of us will pay to go see him. But if you didn't pay to go in and preach the gospel to him, you wasted your money. Oh, but pastor, that sounds really harsh. That's iniquity, church. Because we would rather not deal with the fact that that's just not honoring God. I would love, I would love to see Kevin get before God and see if he would laugh at some of those jokes. Don't get me wrong, he's an amazing man. He has a great intellectual mind. He's a funny character. We all know this. But there's no honor in what he does to God. And either our lives bring God a glory or they don't. And here, here's what Proverbs 15, 29 says. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. He hears the prayers of the righteous. Psalms 32, 5. I acknowledge my sin to you, but I do not cover my iniquity. So there's a difference between sin and iniquity even in the Bible. And if you hide this in your heart, God will not hear our mouths. And it's not that he won't audibly hear us. He will not be able to hear us means to give us an answer because we have not yet been 
purified. And if God continues to bless you in the condition you are in, you don't honor God. I'm almost done. Are you with me, church? I know some of us are instantly thinking to ourselves, this, this is not me. I don't, I don't struggle with this kind of stuff. Not me, praise God, amen. I am good. Maybe it's for that person down the aisle, but not me. I'm good. I'm good. Good. But you know, Paul, he gives a little blurb of what iniquity is in Galatians 5, verse 19. And he says this, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and these things. And I warned you, he said, I warned you before those that who do such things, they don't inherit the kingdom of heaven. I told you you wouldn't like me today. I didn't want to preach this. The Lord woke me up at 1.30 last night. I said, Lewis, you got to preach this. You got to preach this. I said, God, that's, that's harsh. He said, well, but it's true. Enmity. Enmity. Let me, let me backtrack. Sexual immorality and this generation, it's rampant. And maybe you don't act on it outside, but if you always entertain it in your heart, my friend, you struggle with iniquity in your heart. You are cherishing it in your heart. How do you know you're cherishing it? Because you're mad that I'm even talking about it. Because you've protected it and you can only feel offended in places you have put defenses. And some of us, we've got to this place that we are trying to accept things for our lives that God has rejected from our lives. Paul named some other things that maybe we don't think is that big, but Scripture calls them iniquities. Enmity. What is enmity? It's a lifestyle of having enemies or people you oppose, people you dislike and cannot get along with. If you're a type of person who every season of your life you have somebody else who has upset you, you deal with enmity. Strife. Always angry, always bitter, always in disagreement with someone, always having an issue with a family or a friend. You always got an issue. Strife. Iniquity. Jealousy, a lifestyle of insecurity and constantly having hatred towards others because they are not, or rather because you desire to be what they are and you are not. You are upset that other folks got stuff that you don't. Jealousy. Fits of anger. Anger is not a sin, but sinning while angry is wrong. The Bible says be angry, but sin not. But if you have anger issues that send you into ungodly places and arguments consistently, you are dealing with iniquity. You can't always go off the shelf and think that it is just the moment. No, there is a heart issue called iniquity. We are struggling and we have begun to dumb down the things that Bible calls sin. I got a problem. I got this issue or I have anger management issues. No, you have an iniquity issue. Cleanse your heart that he might hear your voice. Rivalries. Always competing with someone, but it's never a verbal competition. It's you in your house thinking they think they're better than me. Always trying to keep up with somebody. Come on, church. It's iniquity. It's iniquity. It's iniquity. No wonder our prayers aren't being heard by God when we're sitting here in strife, hateful towards our families. We have enemies. How could you have an enemy be a, be a Christian? The only enemy we have is Satan. And everybody else is a victim of the war that we need to save and bring in. Rivalries. We try to say, oh, but God is still working on me. I've been working on this. You've been working on that for 10 years and you're still an angry mess. You still have a bad attitude. Oh, but that's just who I am, but that's not who God made you to be. There's who God made you and who the world shaped you at through culture, who you allowed them to mold you through the hurts and the pains. But who does the word of God say you are? You are more than a conqueror. 
The Bible says you are free. The Bible says you are redeemed. You don't have to walk in anger. You don't have to harbor hatred. But these things are the very things that destroy the kingdom of God. And we sit, we pray, and we pray, and we pray, but God doesn't hear us, and we've got, I don't get it. Maybe i got to pray more, and don't get me wrong, there are times where your prayers are not answered because there is a spiritual war, but there are many times where it is because there is iniquity in your heart, and the psalmist said, if I had had iniquity in my heart, he would not have heard me. He would not have heard me. Why? Because God can't deal with the lifestyle of sin that we don't want to surrender. Hanging on to one hand to the cross and the other hand to the world. No, church, you gotta, you got to let God work in you. For, for anyone who is in Christ Jesus is a new creature. According to the scriptures. Dissension, always having a person you're at odds with. And then trying to bring others into your argument. That is dissension. Trying to get people to choose your side over an argument. Someone in church upsets you. Maybe in your family, you call your cousin. Could you believe that so-and-so said this to me? (laughs) You know what I'm talking about, church. Dissension. It doesn't please God. It breaks the harmony of a body of Christ. Always feeling like you have a right to be offended. You have a right to be mad. You ain't got a right to do nothing but love Jesus and forgive people. Forgive people. I'm almost done. He says division. Always trying to make people choose a side to the place of breaking something apart. You're okay with breaking someone's friendship up so you can have their friend. And then if somebody hangs out with your friend, division, that is a spirit. And it's called iniquity in us. It's okay to come to God with these things, church. It's okay to say, God, I'm struggling with division. I'm struggling with enmity. I'm struggling with hatred. I really just hate some people, God. I really deal with the, God, I really got some issues. I really got some problems, God. But you cannot keep on taking them back up as you go away from the altar. Because what God will do is you say, God, I have hatred towards that person. The next day, you meet them in the coffee shop. And then what will happen is God will, he's testing you and say, are you going to forgive? Are you going to move forward? Are you going to walk in hatred? It is our continuing in these ways and never changing from the old man that we once were that hinders our prayers. And notice what the psalmist said. He said, not only do you like these things, but you harbor, cherish, and protect them. Some of us hide behind our bad attitude because we're so insecure. And our attitude is the front that we put up to the world. But in reality, you are a broken, insecure person. And the faster that you can admit that you were just broken and hurting, God can bring healing. Because what you reveal, God will heal. What you reveal, God will heal. Do you not know that he wants to bring wholeness to your life? Sin starts small, but it always leads to iniquity if we leave it unchecked. I'll close with this. There's a story in the Bible of a man named David, and David was a great king. And one day the Bible says that David got up on the roof of his palace, and he looks out, and he sees a woman named Bathsheba, and she was bathing, and he looks down, and he lusts on her. Strike one. He didn't rebuke the thought. He sends for her. Strike two. He entertains an ungodly thought. See, lust was sin. Now he's getting into iniquity. Three fornicates with her, commits adultery, gets her pregnant. Four, lies to her husband. Five, kills her husband. It started off with just a lustful thought, ended up in murder. What starts as a one-night thing of lustfulness might end up in a life of having a broken home for some child. It might start with one drink. It'll end up in a life of drunkenness. 
it, it might start with just being frivolous with your money here and having a life of just being broken and impoverished because you can't handle money. It might start with something small. It might start with you just hating one person to you hating everybody. It might start with you being jealous of this one person. Now you think everybody hates you because now you have this mentality that everybody's against you when nobody's against you except for the devil. And he got you hiding in your own home thinking it's a castle or a fort or something. When it's become a prison. Here's point number three, real simple. God is faithful to hear you. God is faithful to hear you. But he wants to hear you from a pure heart. So what do we do? What do we say? Where do we go from here? As Peter would say to the church that was being born in Acts chapter 2 when he preached a great message and the Holy Spirit fell down and fire and all those great things happened. He preached to them. The Bible says they were cut to the heart. My favorite verse, when they asked him, what should we do? He gave them one word. He said a few afterwards, but the first was my favorite. He says, repent. Repent. And here's what repent is not. It is not saying, God, I'm sorry, and then going back to the same vomit. Repent means to turn completely. For there to be a turning in your life. A redirection in your life. And I was in my living room floor at about 1.30 last night praying, literally battling the devil last night. And I said, Lord, what should I tell them to do? And the Lord said, tell them to repent. Tell them to repent. And you might say, God, why why does God want me to repent? Here's the reason why. Because God has heard your prayers and he wants to answer them. But he can't because in the recesses of our inner man, we have harbored the enemy. We've harbored the enemy. And so today, as we close this service, I want to just offer you a time to get before the Lord on your own accord and to say, God, I have some things in my heart. And here's the truth of the matter. I'm not going to open the altar because if I did, every single one of us are going to have what in theory should be up here. Because we all in some way oftentimes deal with an iniquity in our hearts. It is the prideful one who says, I have no sin in me. The Bible says, if you say we have no sin, then we're a liar. But instead to say, God, I am so sorry. I've harbored the fact that some of us like hating people. Some of us have become addicted to disliking people. We're okay with constantly looking down on people. As if Jesus didn't spill the same blood for him, for her. I felt the Lord tell me this morning as I went to the office, I just prayed and I was like, God, what are you trying to do overall? What's the big picture here? Because I'm a big picture person. And God says, I don't want these people to go into 2016 in the same mess they're in now. Can I tell you something? What a good God you have. No, no, no. That he cares enough. That he cares enough to tell us there are some things in the recesses of your heart that you've harbored and hidden. Maybe you've not realized it, but there's issues in you. It's not just anger issues. It's not just enmity in a small. It's not just a problem with this one person. It is the fact that you have a problem with somebody in every season of your life. If that is you, if you're one of those people, you got to get before the Lord and say, God, open me up. Let it come out. I don't want this anymore. I don't want to walk around with all this hatred and issues in my heart and in my life, with this gossiping heart, with this, this, this deceitful spirit, with this lying tongue. I don't want to deal with this sexual immorality. I don't want to deal with this lustful thought anymore. I don't want to deal with this porn addiction. I don't want to deal with all these things in my life anymore. I want you to take it out because I want you to hear my heart and hear my prayers. And the psalmist said boldly, he said, I, if I had cherished, if I had cherished iniquity, he would not have listened. But in verse 19, he says, but truly he has listened because I have not cherished sin and iniquity in my life. But contrary, 
I've walked with him and I let God change me. I let God change me. I got on the operating table and I let God remove some things. I laid myself before the cross of Jesus Christ and I looked up and saw the price that he paid and no longer was the things that pastor was saying funny, but it cut me to the core because I'm dealing with life or death, eternity or hell. He will hear you when your heart is pure. When your heart is right. And maybe you're here today for the first time. You don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior. Let me say this to you. The majority of this preaching is for those who know Christ and live in error on purpose. And to you I say this. Jesus died for you. He loves you. And he hears you. He hears you. Would you stand with me this evening? I sense the Holy Spirit just speaking to people, dealing with people, working on hearts. There are people here that you have things you need to stop in your life. There's things that God wants to break. There's people here, say what the Holy Spirit is putting on my heart, having premarital sex. The Holy Spirit says that is for marriage. Don't open the thing that he's not called you to open yet. But live pure before him that you might honor the Lord and he might hear your prayers. To the man struggling with lustful thoughts and sexual immorality, to you I say this, surrender your heart to God that he might hear you. For he is faithful to hear you. He is faithful to hear you. That's the God you serve, a forever faithful God. Come on, from the front to the back, would you do me a favor and just bow your heads? For surely the Spirit of the Lord is here. Surely God is speaking to someone. Surely God is working on your heart. Surely the Lord has been speaking to you and he is saying to you, there is something in your life that I have called you to root out even now. There is that spirit that I have not called to be in you and I am calling it out. There is that addiction you have, I am calling it out in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. We are calling it out in the name of Jesus. Here's what I want you to do from the front to the back with your eyes closed and your head bowed. If you know the Lord is speaking to you, if you know the Lord is dealing with you, I want you to lift both your hands as high as you can. And we're not coming to the front. We're doing it right from our seat. And we're going to say, Lord, we repent. I dare you to begin to cry out to God because there is life and death in the balance. I dare you to begin to say, Lord, I understand there has been iniquity in my heart and I desire to change it. I desire to run from it. I want to run to you, God, that I might not honor the enemy with my life, but that I would give you glory. <laughs> that I would give you glory. Come on, if you know it, on the count of three, on the count of three, I want you to lift up the loudest cry that you can possibly get out and say, God, I am I am repenting right now. God, forgive me in the name of Jesus. Begin to cry out to him. Call out that spirit. Call out that sin. Call out that iniquity. Rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Today, today is the day of victory. Come on, one. Today is the day of victory. Come on, two. Today is the day of victory. Come on, lift it up, three. Come on, just cry out to him. God, we repent. We turn our hearts back to you, God. We turn our hearts back to you, God.
if they would seek my face, if they would turn from their wicked ways, I would hear from heaven. 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 Come on, if you turn, he will hear. In Jesus' name, Father, we turn our hearts to you. We turn our hearts to you. We turn our hearts. Come on, somebody declare it. I turn my heart to you tonight, God. Break me, God. Break the work of the enemy in me. Break it, God. Declare it in Jesus' name. I am free in Jesus' name. God, you hear us tonight. God, you hear us tonight, God. Come on, till I'm talking. would lust no more that him who is bound would be bound no more that her who is insecure would be confident in you God that her who was broken by man would be healed by the father that father that married couple who is struggling to respect and love that they would be restored because of you that God that every work of the enemy would be broken in this moment to every single person who is willing to receive the freedom of the cross. Let him who is a drunk drink no more, God. Let him who would go at night to watch porn do it no more, God. Let him who is dealing with homosexuality deal no more, God. Let him and her who are dealing with regret from the past would do it no more. That her who has had an abortion would not live under the guilt anymore, but be free. That Father, those who hate would hate no more. That those who are angry would be replaced with the joy of the Lord. That those who have become defined by their constant conflicts would instead be replaced by a confidence in Christ. Father, that they who doubted would doubt no more that we would only believe from the front to the back, God. That you would break every stronghold, every work of the enemy, every lying spirit, that him who lied, lie no more. That him who had a, a cursing mouth would curse no more but bring praises to God. For for the same mouth that lifts up praises, there should not be cursing and blessing. That Father, 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 those, those who fornicate would fornicate no more, God. Father, those who were jealous would be jealous no more but be confident in who you made them to be, God. I feel the Holy Spirit saying he wants to deliver some people today from self-hate. You've hated yourself. Your life has fallen apart. You've hated yourself. You've gone to and fro and you hate yourself and you blame yourself for there are problems that have arisen in your life. But the Lord says, how dare you hate the one that I am in love with? How dare you hate the one that I have created? How dare you hate the one that I formed with my very own hands?
tonight, God, we repent. We turn our hearts to you. For as the psalmist said in verse 19, God, but truly the Lord has listened. That Lord, tomorrow and the rest of this week, God, that our story would be that truly the Lord has listened to me. That surely he has heard my cries. That surely he has heard my prayers. And that he is with me. And that he would answer every prayer in your heart. To the glory of the Father. I feel God just giving some freedom tonight. Freedom you haven't had in a long time. Do, do you know do you know what the word forgiveness means the word forgiveness by definition in the original language it means to remove the weight to remove the weight in other words if I had a backpack on your back and had one stone for every sin and it was weighing you down the fact that God forgave you is God removing the weight of the sin off of your life. And I feel like tonight God wants to help somebody walk a little lighter tonight. Be able to praise Him a little more tonight. Be able to walk a little freer tonight. Be able to be a little more open tonight. To understand, maybe you're going to jump a little higher tonight. Maybe you're going to praise God a little faster because you don't got to wait no more because you're walking in the freedom of God because you've been forgiven. You've been set free. You've repented. You've changed your heart. Come on, that's the God we serve. He's faithful. He is faithful. He's faithful. And let me close it like this. Here's the last thing I'm going to tell you. And what you do after it is up to you. What you do after what I say is up to you. Here's the last thing I'm going to say to you. Is what the word of God says in verse 17. This is what the psalmist said. I cried to him with my mouth. And there was a praise under my tongue. That was trying to get out. Because I was so confident in my God. Does anybody got a praise in your mouth? That you want to release right now. And say God. Would you lift up a praise? 